You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. My name is Troy Naird. I'm one of the elders here at Radiant Church. I have the honor and the pleasure of kicking off our new series today, Seven, A Letters to the Seven Churches. A great reminder of what we're going to be diving into today. I just wanted to take a couple moments to just kind of let you know, that, as uh, Victoria said in her prayer, my message today is called First Love, Returning to Our First Love, which is Christ. Anybody remember your first love, your first crush? Maybe you're here today and you're with your first love, your first crush. If that's the case, it's awesome. Maybe you remember making that first phone call to ask for a date. I'm going to flash back a little bit. You had to do one of these on the phone at the house with a long, the long cord that gave you privacy when you could go in the other room where nobody could hear you. If you're going back further, maybe it was a and then the time you got done, you forgot why you called. So today, what I'd like to do is take that idea that we're talking about and apply it to a relationship with God. So we're going to be looking at Revelations chapter 2, 1 through 7. Here's a few facts. This book was written by John. He was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He was in Jesus' inner circle, along with James and with Peter. John wrote the Gospel of John, the Epistles of John 1, 2, 3, and of course, the book we're looking at today, Revelation. John is also the only disciple who was not martyred for his faith. However, John was exiled in the mid-90s, A.D. 90, that is, to the island of Patmos by the Roman emperor, Domitian. He was exiled for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Petamos is a small Greek island just off the west coast of Turkey. I'll have a little map up there for you so you can kind of take a visual where it's at. As you can see, on my left, there was Petamos, and that's where he was uh, exiled to for preaching the word of Jesus Christ. It's here that Jesus reveals himself to John and tells him of things that are going to come past. John is given a revelation from Jesus to have the curtain pulled back, if you will, to get a little glimpse into what Jesus is going to do. He tells John to write these things down. He has a message for the seven churches. These were real churches in ancient history, but the message is still incredibly relevant today to all the churches, including this church, Radiant. The word revelation is a Greek word, apocalypsis, which means the revealing. Revelation is addressed to the first century churches in seven cities of the Roman providence of Asia. Revelation unveils the unseen spiritual war in which the church is engaged, the cosmic conflict between God and Jesus on one hand and Satan and his evil allies on the other hand, both demonic and human. Let's open in prayer before we dive in. Father, Lord, 
we come before you today and I look to you today, Father, with great expectation on what you have to say today, Father. I just want to challenge us this morning, Father, to open our hearts, open our minds, and our ears to what you have to say about returning to our first love, to returning to Christ. Father, these letters were written to the churches to remind them, to help them, to critique them, and, Father, to set them on the right path once again. So today as we dive into this passage, I just pray that the Holy Spirit runs freely in this room and uh, moves through the hearts of everyone that hears this. If you're online today, I pray that that message reaches you today and that you search your heart, allow God to search your heart as we dive into this message today. And we thank you in Christ's name. Open your Bibles, smartphones, it'll also be on the screen to Revelations 2, 1 through 7. I'm going to be reading today from the ESV. To the angels of the church in Ephesus, write, now this is Jesus telling John, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, you toil and you are patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles, and are not, and found that them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet, this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolotians, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the ones who conquers, I will grant the eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, would you agree having a difficult conversation with someone is hard? Have you ever had to have a difficult conversation with someone? Those are some hard things that we face in our lives, but also necessary things. Those are things that we have to do when a friend, a spouse, a child is on the wrong track. We don't want them to go off the track. We want to bring them back and put them and set them on the right way, right? And that's very important. In ministry, we call this the love sandwich. You have the top, the middle, and the bottom. There's a commendation, then there's a condemnation, or critique, and finally, thank goodness, a correction. Notice what Jesus says in his message to the seven churches in Ephesus in verse 2 through 3. Again, this will be from the SV. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Let's kind of dive into this just for a moment, and let's take a look at this. Jesus tells him, I know your works. That should be a good reminder for us. He knows your works. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes Troy tick. Jesus tells him, you're doing the right things. 
Are you doing the right things today? Are you doing the right things in the eyes of God? Jesus tells them, you patiently endure all things. There's not a person in there who hasn't been or maybe going through a trial. Season. A test of one's faith. And here he's telling us, you patiently endure all things. Are you patient? Is patience a problem? Are you enduring what God has given you today in your life right now? Jesus tells them, you are also believing the right things. Are you believing the right things today? Are you taking those right things, the things you deem right, and measuring them to the word of God to see if they are the right thing? Jesus tells them, you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are clearly not. When you hear something from God, verify it's of God. And I challenge you today, as I'm speaking today, check my words. Check my words, because if these words today came from him, they are his words, not my words. In other words, Jesus says you stand for truth and you don't tolerate false teaching. We live in a world today that has a lot of teaching. We live in a world today that has a lot of opinions that has agendas, that has different things going on in the world today. But then we have this, don't we? This is the only thing we should measure our lives up to. Jesus wants us to know that there's our right actions and right beliefs. Those two things are very important to us as Christians. Our actions and our beliefs. We should understand this today, Radiant Church. And if you're a note-taker, this is something for you to write down. Pastor John Zonervan mentioned that note-takers have a special place in heaven. So if you take notes today, you've got a special place in heaven. So the point is, our outward actions and doctrine matter to God. They do matter. They absolutely matter to him. So your outward actions and what you believe matter to God. Again, what you believe in your actions, do they measure up to this book? Now, Jesus moves to the critique of the seven churches, which I'm going to call the big boom. And we all know when that comes, it's like, okay, yeah, they told me all the good things I do and all this, but here comes the things I don't do. Or here comes the things that I'm not doing that God wants me to do. And this is very important to churches today. This is very important. Jesus is about to tell them of something that is missing. Notice what he says in verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Think about that. This is Christ telling these churches and radiant today. I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You might say right now, well, what does that exactly mean? Well, I'm glad you're asking me that because I'm going to break it down for you. Here's the first thing. Jesus says that you have left or abandoned. The NIV uses the word forsaken. You have forsaken your first love. You have abandoned the love you had at first. You've walked away from your first love. One interpretation is that 
that they had lost their early love for Christ in Ephesus. Another interpretation is that the Ephesian believers had lost love for one another and needed to revive the compassionate works they did at first. Many interpreters believe that both are in view, since the love for Christ and for one another are related. We're going to take a look at Mark 12, 29-31. Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel. Hear, Radiant Church. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. How many have been there? And you don't, you, you just don't know what to do. You're at the end of your rope. God is telling you to love you, love him with all his soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and of course, with your heart. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. There it is right there, guys. There, that's the boom. And Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love your Lord and your God with all your being and with everything you have. You just read that, right? And that is his greatest command to us. So what does this mean for you and for me? Obviously, love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Love your spouse, even when she's unlovable, or he's unlovable. Love your kids. They can do some things, you know, kids. You still got to love them. Love those who are different from you. It's easy to love people that think just like you, isn't it? That agree with everything you say. It's like, man, I love but then when someone says something you don't agree with, you're like, man, I got, they're off my, I'm befriending them right now and take them off Facebook. Do you love God today? You see, the most important thing in your life is it your job? Is it your hobby? Is it your sports? Or is it God? That's the question I'm hoping you ask yourself. We say we believe in God. We attend Radiant Church. We attend other churches. Occasionally. Or the ouch when it's convenient. Convenience should not be a part of your relationship with God. It should be a priority, shouldn't it? It should be number one. I came from, I was originally Catholic, then I became Baptist, and the old saying in the old Baptist church was, when the doors are open, you're there. Right, Bill? When them doors are open, you're there. And I believe that now. We have Wednesday night prayer nights. You should be in these aisles praying. You should be asking God for forgiveness. We're asking God for wisdom, mercy, and grace. We're here Sunday, two services. You don't want to get up early? You come to this one. It is available. The doors are open. Please be here. We say that we love God, but through our priorities, have no love for God. You know, what are our priorities? You only know that in your life. You know, there's sign my kids up for sports that are on Sundays. 
for theirs. Teach my kids the importance of church on Sundays and worshiping the Lord. There's taking an extra day to sleep in because you had a tough week. Totally get that. There's many mornings I get up and think, man, I got a drum today. I'm just wiped out. Instead of saying, wow, I get to drum today. I get to worship the Lord behind the drum set. I get to play guitar. I get to sing. I get to bring a message. That is glory. That is something you should look to. Not, I'm tired. Man, I went out and watched the movie last night or blah, blah, fill in the blank. Be in church. If you're a truly loving God, then you can love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love God, you're, gonna, you're not going to be kind to others. You're not going to love them. Ann and I years ago had neighbors we called the Clampets. They were di- the yard was not always kept up to Ann Marie is a stickler for yard and cutting the grass and all that stuff and making the house look nice. Well, these people were different than us. We had a choice. Judge, unlovable, or love them and show the love of Christ. You can't do that if you don't have a love for God. You're not able to love others. If you see everything, you see this, guys, everything springs forth from loving God and receiving his love as well. You uh, have a hard time receiving God's love? You have a hard time receiving the love of others in this church when they reach out or they bring you something or give you something? You have a hard time accepting that? It could be a pride issue that keeps you from that. It could be a, I'm not deserving. It could be your upbringing. It could be many things. But you know what, guys? God's love is free through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to remember. We have to live by God through Jesus Christ. Do you remember the love you had for Jesus when you were first saved? Think back a moment when you said to Jesus, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my life, and I ask that you come live in my heart. That moment when you first discovered the mercy and forgiveness in Christ. Think about that for a moment. I don't know your past. Everybody has a past, right? We all have things we've done that we wish we did. We all have things that we should have said differently. What's spoken cannot be unspoken, right? So we need to tame our tongues. We need to tame our hearts and see what's in our hearts. But for this, I think it's very crucial that we knew we came to him broken and through the mercy, love, and grace of Christ, he forgave us and became the Lord of our life. Or did he? And that's what I really want to challenge you with today. You know, I remember my conversion. It was October of 1982. I had been house-sitting for the pastor and his wife. We were their vacation people. We would go over there and just kind of cut the grass, hang out, and think, this is really cool. That house. And it was really good things. Every time we went over there, and I went to the church every Sunday, Every Wednesday night, it was a traditional Baptist church, so the doors were open on Wednesday. Uh, the doors were open on Sunday and Sunday evening. 
and pastor expected to see you there. Well, I had a lot of questions. I had just, I was newly married. I was married in 1980. My first son was born in 1981. So I was, I was searching. I had just come out of a rock band for three years, playing drums. Got my, into a wedding band. So I was gone every weekend. Not really good things to do when you first get married. I would always be on the road, if you will. Well, the questions and the burning, listening to the message, started to burn in my heart. So I remember when they got back from vacation, pastor asked how everything went, and we talked, and I said, everything was great. He said, thank you for cutting the grass and just thanking me for things that we did. And uh, I said, I have a question. So I began asking him questions. Do you remember when you were there, when you had those questions? Hopefully you went to a pastor, to a leader, to a deacon, to an elder, and those people took the time to explain Christ to you. You accepted Christ. So that's exactly what happened to me. I remember bowing my knees in his living room and accepting Christ as my Savior. I was a sponge. I wanted to know everything. So I started, of course, I was hanging out with the pastor, watching us also. I had a lifeline right there. I would go to him. You have lifelines here. You have Pastor Marco. You have the elders here. You have the leaders. You have the staff. You have so many people here that you can go to when times get hard. Or if you want to know those questions. If you have uh, children, you're in luck. We have Carter. You can take your children to Carter, and he will explain the path to redemption. And that's very important to have. So as I grew, I, want, I just had to have no more of them. Maybe you can relate to that. Now, in fact, it's in John 1, 4, 9, I'm sorry, 4, 19. What if we really believe that? That we, we love because he first loved us. Let that settle in your heart for a moment. Now here's a question I have for you. And this is a tough one. Does your life reflect that? Does your life reflect God's love? Or does your life reflect, oh boy, here comes Troy. Or here comes home. You always know those people. You know when you're at Kroger and you see them and you go in the other aisle? You don't even have a kid and you're in the diaper aisle. Because that person you're avoiding is over here. Because it's hard to love them, right? So we have to accept the fact that we love because God first loved Troy. And I follow that model. Jesus is trying to tell the church in Ephesus and Radiant Church Return to the love you first had. That moment when you were saved. That moment when you actually opened this and read. He's calling us to return to that. Here's another note for you. There is no amount of doctrinal purity can compensate for an 
apathetic heart toward Christ. Think about that for a moment. We have to have that heart toward Christ or nothing else is going to work. It's just not going to work. Because we're going to do things how we believe, how we feel. Newsflash, feelings change daily. You can wake up tomorrow and say, man, I am living the dream, and I got all this to go. Money is usually hard for people because that means you're starting all over again. But what if you looked at that as a new beginning, a new chance, a new chance to align your will, your life to God? Would that change how you look at your day? But then you can get up Tuesday and think, this is the worst day ever. I know you have kids that have never heard that. You know, it's like, this is just, everything's bad. Sure it's going to be when you look through that lens. What if you look through the lens of the Bible or through the lens of Jesus Christ? Just for a moment. There's an old song, uh, kind of older now. I think of Matthew West, Give Me Your Eyes for Just One Moment. Think about that. What if for one moment Christ said to you, I'm going to let you see what I see, like we sang today. Would the world look different? Could you imagine looking at someone you don't even know and having such strong compassion that you actually tell them about the best thing in your life? Christ. That's where we need to get back to. So you're probably asking, well, how do I know if I've lost my first love? What are indicators that I lost my first love? I'm glad you asked me, because I've got five things for you. That could be indicators that you've lost your first love. The note-takers, number one, you're too busy for God. We all have busy lives. You could probably talk to everybody in this room, they could tell you about all the things that's going to happen this week. You know, I have a good friend of mine, Anytime that him and I go places or meet up, I've been friends with him since 1986. He lives about an hour and a half away, but we remain close. He's an accountability partner to me. And I always admire the thing that he says. If he's coming up for the weekend with his party dog, Bubbles, he'll say, Bubbles got a haircut. She's all ready to come up and see you and Miss Ann. And I'll say, bring her on. And I say, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. You know what he always says? Lord willing, I will be there. You know, we say every day we're going to do this tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed today. What do we really have? This moment. This time. We could leave this building today and that's it. Right? Yeah. So you have this moment. You have this moment to make decisions. To honor God or to dishonor. Christians, it should have been the first one, right? We want to honor God with our actions and what we do. You know, we've become so busy in our life doing things for God that we are sacrificing spending time with Him. It's easy to do. I know. You, you get busy. Things start going. You're like, oh, 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 you know. And you say, well, I'm in seven ministries at church. I do this. I do that. I'm doing all these things. Well, how are you doing all those things or making a difference if you're not even spending time with God? If God's given you instructions, what if God says, 
you're doing these seven ministries, I want you to do one. And you're like, no, that's the worst one. That's the one I kind of did because they needed it. Well, if that's what God wants you to do, why wouldn't you want to go there? Why would you say, no, you know what? I really love kids. I love teaching kids. That children ministry, I ain't going there. Them kids are crazy. But God's telling you, I want you in the kids' ministry. You say, no, I'd rather walk around with that cool camera that Tyler has and just kind of capture all these moments. And God's saying, no, I want you in children's ministry. We have a choice, don't we? Honor God or dishonor God. Do what we want in lieu of what he wants. And let me tell you, when you do that, when you hit that wall, when you crash, the good thing is he'll be there to pick you back up and simply say to you, okay, you ready to try it my way? And that's the choice we have to make right now, today in Radiant Church and today in the world today. If we don't, we're heading down a bad road, guys. It's simple. Your business, in your business, you cannot expect to hear from God. You just can't. You say, well, I go in my prayer room and I got my Caleb jamming. Well, that's okay. You know, I mean, okay, so you want to do a time of worship with God. And that's okay. Why can't we be like David? And just go sit quietly before the Lord. Can you do that, or is it too noisy in your life? Is it too noisy in your world? What does it mean to sit quietly before the Lord? You go sit in your prayer closet, wherever that may be. No agenda. Not your 50 things that God needs to do, or you're going to freak out. Not uh, everything that weighs you down. Not in what you think is right for your life. But simply just sit down and say, here I am. Here I am. Take a journal altar with you. That's what I do in the mornings. Open it, put your pen there, and sit quietly. Ask God, if you're brave, search my heart. You know, and he will. And when you start writing those things down, now you have a choice, right? Honor God. Or dishonor God. Blow it off and make it work. If you do the honoring part with what God tells you to trim out and do, you'll never, never, never go wrong. Sadly, all this shows that God is simply not a priority in our life. When we do those things, we're just saying to him, God, I love you, but I have to do A through C. God is asking you to love him. And what did we just read? He first loved us, right? And if we let that really settle in our hearts today, I think we'll see that verse is the lifeline for someone here today. I'm sure there's people at your work that you don't get along with. Maybe even in this church. Yes, I said it. But you love because he first loved you. And that's a game changer. How about number two? Apathy towards the church. Ouch. We are so busy, church attendance is also not a priority. Let's just say it like it is. Like I said earlier, football, soccer, gosh. Staying up late, living the best life, worshiping God. There's a difference. 
you can't you can't do both you just can't you can't serve god and money right you can't serve god and your job but god can help you serve your job god can give you what you need when you need it how you need it and how much you need it if you love him you know church online anybody online today it's a great thing radiant went to that Obviously, when the pandemic started and we weren't allowed to meet, we went to online. Pastor reached out then to the leaders, three or four of the leaders in the church, and he asked them if they would do podcasts and record them. Any of you remember those? People would go and record these, uh, speak whatever God gave them on their heart, and they would put it on a podcast for you to listen to. So you felt what? Connected. So you felt like you were still part of the church. You know, everybody had a different reaction to that. You know, some people, I can tend to sometimes enjoy seclusion. Well, that was, my, that was my dream when that happened because then I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't have to do anything, right? But there, in the end, there's something missing. It's community, isn't it? You know, church online is a great thing, but never, ever, ever a replacement for meeting in person. If you're watching and on here and you're able to come, there's seats for you. We have ushers that will happily seat you. We always seem to have more up front than we do in the back. Empty seats are always up here. And it's okay. Nobody bites. These are good seats to come up here. How about this one? This one's going to be a hard one. Number three. You've grown accustomed to sin in your life. I'm talking about habitual sin because we all sin, right? We all sin and fall short of the glory of Christ. Because why? We're in this. We're in this skin. What does Paul say? Why do I do the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do? I don't do. It's because of this skin. It's because of sin. But what I'm talking about is habitual sin. When you continually do something over and over that you know you shouldn't do, you continually go to the wherever. You insert the thing. You're hanging out at the bars. You're going here. You're doing this thing. And yet, you know you shouldn't be doing it, but you habitually do it. You go from boyfriend or girlfriend to you jump all around, and they're always the one. You always move in. No, that's backwards. That's backwards. Honor him first, and he will honor your relationship. And that's the key. We, we, our skin has been so hardened to sin that we don't recognize it anymore. I mean, think about that. You know, we watch things on TV. There's a lot of views out in the world today. You can pick the one you like. There's only one view that I pick. That's this one. And so we have to remember that. Don't, be, don't let sin settle into your life. One, it's going to rob you of joy. It's going to rob you of happiness. And you know what else it's going to do? It's going to rob you of time with the Lord. Because God cannot look upon sin. He can't look at it. So we need to repent, right? I mean, think about it. Jesus hung on a cross. He couldn't look at him, could he? Because he bore every sin in the world on his shoulders. And God can't look at sin. So remember that. And then the last little point on this one is, how are you looking at sin today? Through your feelings, through the lens of the world, or through the lens of the Bible? How do you look at sin in your life? There is a difference. Because you can find a friend that will tell you that you're doing the right things, and you're not. 
You know, how many people in here? We all have friends. And that's a great thing. But why would you go to a friend that's been through six divorces and ask them advice on your marriage? He's going to tell you one thing. Find a new one. You know, God's got a new one. Just go there. Or why do people have affairs and go into different things and say, God put this woman in my life? No, he didn't. You're going through feelings. You're going through your desires, things that you want, and you're not lining them up with this word. So be cautious. Don't be sensitive. Don't be undersensitive to sin. If God shows you in your quiet time, because you're having quiet time with him, right? If he shows you that, repent. Give it to him. Move forward. Number four, you have no re real desire for God's word. And that, you know, I'm sorry to say, Radiant Church, sadly, that's the case a lot. People have no desire. You know what our desires are? Not for everyone, but you get up in the morning and see what's new on Facebook. You get up in the morning, you check your emails. Oh, so-and-so accepted my friend request. Woo! Or you get up in the morning, open this up, and say, what do you have to say to me? Speak to me today. I have a rough day today. I have two meetings. I have to have a conflict with someone that I'd rather not. I have to have a conversation with someone that may go bad. So I'm sorry, guys, but Facebook's not going to help you do that. Whatever you do in the morning. I like to have my coffee, go out in my secret place on my sun porch. Listen see what he has to say. You know, you're no longer making a real effort to read God's Word. Ask yourself that right now in your heart. Are you making an effort to read God's Word? I read it once a month. Why would you want to go into a world filled with what we face today without this? Why would you want to go to work without this? Because like Sarah said today, your life may be the only Bible someone sees today. What do they see? Do they see Jesus? Or do they see someone that's in the world just like they are? I've had people tell me, why would I want to be a Christian? Nothing's different. I'm at a bar on a Friday night, bellied up to a bar, enjoying, living my life, and so are they. I go and do all this on Sundays because that's important. They say, well, you're not in church on Sunday. You never talk about the Bible. You don't say any Bible verses. You know what? That says something stronger than you know. That is something very serious in your life, and you need to ask yourself, why am I not in God's Word? Because I can guarantee you 99% of the time is because you're in sin. You're in sin. The things that happen is when we go through things and run into the hard times, we run from God instead of to God. Think about that for a minute. Things are tough. You're having all this stuff going on, and you're thinking, okay, I just got to write all this down, and I got to do this, 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 and boom, you're gone. Like, wait a minute. We got this backwards. This is not what we do. We need to rely on God. But again, you're not in his word. You're not praying with him. You're not communing with him. 
What do you think the result's going to be? It's not going to be good. And again, why would you want to face your life when you're not right with God? Now, here's a point I'd like you to write down or think about and pray about and let it penetrate your heart. Reading the Bible is not just about reading a book. It's about hearing his voice. It's not just about reading this book. But it's listening, right? Remember David, sit quietly before the Lord. Let this book penetrate your heart. Let this book be your lifeguard. Let this book be how you live your life. Number five. Prayer is more an afterthought rather than a first response to change. Anybody relate to that? You just got that news from the doctor. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to worry. I'm going to get on Google. I'm going to look at everything I can find about it. Or are you going to go before the Lord and simply say, Father, I call God. I call God Papa. It's more intimate. Just simply go before him and say, I am now facing something. You can be honest. God knows, right? I'd rather not face this. I'm not strong enough. Why me? These are okay questions. You can read through the Psalms. You'll find out there was lots of questions for God. From David, a man after God's own heart. It's okay to have questions. He's big enough to handle it. There's nothing you're going to say that he hasn't already read in your heart. You're not going to surprise him. He's not going to look to Jesus says, now what do we do? I don't know. Go to God. Prayer should not be your last resort. It should be your first. That's hard sometimes, isn't it? Because when you're facing things that are out of control, more than you can handle, because you prayed first, right? And you simply, the old saying is what? Let go and let go. Yes, we speak to him, but he also speaks to us. You may be asking now, Troy, how do we return to our first love? I'm glad you asked me that. I can give you some words of Jesus to tell you how to do that. Troy can't tell you how to do that. This book can. We're going to go to uh, verse 5. And he says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, that's sin, right? Repent and do the works you did at first. It's right there, guys. We see Jesus use three verbs in this remember, repent, and do. Good verbs, right? Remember, repent, and do. Repentance is normally evident by inner brokenness or sorrow in our lives. You know, you can be sorry, and then you can be sorry. You can be sorrowful, then you can be broken. There is a difference. You know, it's okay to go before God and say, I'm broken. I got good news is he's a great restorer. He's full of mercy and grace. His mercy and grace 
This world can't contain the amount of mercy and grace he has for us through Jesus Christ. Not on our own, so we can boast, right? But because of him to give us those things. We need to repent of the things we love more than God himself. Again, I don't know what that is for you. It could be your job. It could be your girlfriend. It could be your children. And that happens a lot today as we face and put everything we have into our children. And that's our first love. And God says, I will have no other gods before me, right? He tells us to love him with what? All of our heart, mind, and soul. Yes, God gave you those children. I like to say when I talk to parents that he has entrusted you with children to raise for him. You know, as Christians, we can easily fall in love with doing good works more than God himself. We love doing good. We love doing for God more than a relationship with him. And that's the hard thing. You know, it's good to serve. Can we use here at Radiant Church? Absolutely. Trying to figure out where to plug in? Ask me. Like I said, if God has called you to work in the nursery, don't join the media team. If God has asked you to carry the media, be in the media team, run the slides, do the online streaming, whatever it is, then do that. Don't say, I'm going to be an usher. Have to do what God tells you to do. And guess what? Then you receive the blessing. Then you will align your will and surrender it to His will. So, question for you here is what did you do at first? Did you read your Bible? Because you were a sponge like me? Do it again. Were you involved in some sort of ministry or every ministry? If you were involved in ministry and now you're healing and you're coming here to sit in a chair and receive God's word, that is good for a season. If Radiant Church is your home, prove it. Join a ministry. Get involved. We have needs here, guys. But more importantly, myself and Pastor and Bill, our other elder, and even the leaders of each ministry would prefer you come there because God called you there. Not because of guilt. There's an opening. Where does God want you? It's okay to sit and get milk, but eventually you're going to have to have some meat. You're going to have to get involved, and you're going to have to serve your church. Or better yet, serve Christ. Who is the church, right? This is his church. We serve him. Did you spend time with other Christians on a regular basis when you were first? Think about it. You still meet up with people. I still meet up with people for breakfast and coffee. Guys that reach out to me and want to talk, we go out. It's an opportunity for me to get to know them. I know what they're going through, and help them to get back on that path. We have many people in here. You have many spiritual people. Look around this room. I know some of you personally, some of you I don't know, but I know there's God's gifts in 
each of you. How you use it is going to be up to you. So if those things, reading your Bible, involved in a ministry, hanging out with other Christians on a regular basis, do these things once again. Why would you not want to do these things again? If these things were helping you before, what's changed? I got the answer you have. You're the one that's changed. Because God's unchangeable, isn't he? Oh, the old saying, I feel so far from God. Well, who moved? He's still there going. Open arms, right? He's got open arms. As Jesus says, I love you as far as the east is to the west, right? He proved that. He proved that when he died for you, for me. So remember that. So ask yourself these questions today in closing. First one's a hard one. And this is one that calls you to be honest with yourself, not with me, with God. Are you in love with Jesus? Ask yourself today, am I in love with Jesus or am I in love with money and other things? Because you can't serve two masters. Are you cultivating a love relationship with him? Or is he your genie in a bottle, where you go to him and say, I want this, 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 and this. Amen. And then you leave. That's not God. When you pray to God, it's simply a communication between you and your Father. And you're praying to him and you're asking him, please take a minute and listen. Listen to what he's saying to you. Because as we learned earlier, prayer is in communion with God, right? It's not a one-way conversation. It's a two-way conversation. And the person you are praying to has more wisdom than you'll ever have. If you're facing a tough trial, you go to him and say, help me. He will. If you have sin in your life, repent. Tell him. Because you know what he already knows. He already knows. You know, we come before God and we pray. And God looks at us and says, looks at our heart and says, what about that? We go, no. No, what, this is what I'm asking. What about that? And until we get rid of that, we can't have the proper communion with Him. That's important to know today. And the big point, if you had to end here, is He first in your above everything else, above your spouse, above what you do for him. Is he your first? Is he your first love? Maybe it's time that you return to your first love today. Jacob is playing a song I asked him to play, and it's the heart of worship. Forgive me, Lord, for what I made it. It's all about. It's coming back to him, right? It's coming back to God and saying, you know what, God? I'm going to love you like I did at first. I'm going to put you first. This may be very questionable me for me to leave this job and take this new job that is less pay. But you're saying to him, I do not trust you by doing what you say. 
because I may not be able to afford my home, my bills. Maybe you have too many bills. Maybe it's time to trim that. You know, God will show us. God will teach us if we listen and we come back to the heart of worship because it's all about him. I'm blessed to be part of the worship. And we know that. We know that as worship leaders, we know that as musicians, that it's all about him. We just go up there and we play with the talent he's given us. And he does the rest. Carter's been entrusted with our youth. He has an opportunity to speak in the lives of these young sponges, these young children who face many battles at school and in this world today. We are blessed to have a pastor who seeks the Lord. He's not afraid to speak the truth. He's not scared to call us out. I'm sure we've all had Sundays, and maybe this is you today. You're sitting here thinking, why is he picking on me? I'm not. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only vessel and vehicle we have to show us what we're doing wrong. When Christ ascended into heaven, what did he tell them? I leave to you the Holy Spirit to live in you, to guide you, to direct you, to correct you. Are you able to be corrected? Are you a prideful? These are things we need to challenge ourselves with. So let's return to our first love today, guys. Let's return to I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word today, Lord, for a reminder to Radiant Church to come back to our first love, to be protected, Lord, of the flock that you've given us, show mercy, show grace, to correct. More importantly, to point to the correct way, Lord, to turn our lives around. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you now to run through this room in the hearts of those sitting in this room and those online and simply search them. Find those things that are keeping them from returning to their first love. Those things in their life that don't belong there, those things in their life that they have grown accustomed to. The habitual sin that is in our hearts, Lord, in our lives. The things that we want you to be okay with instead of asking you, are you okay with this, Father? There is a difference. So, Lord, I'm just asking today that you begin moving right now. I sense there's somebody in this room that has maybe forgotten their first love. Someone online who may be saying, Troy, that's me. That's me today. I don't know how I got here. I don't know what happened. We simply took our eyes off Jesus Christ. Like Peter, we got out of the boat in faith. But then we took our eyes off Christ and we began to sink. Father, there's a lesson there for all of us. It's all about you. Forgive us today for what we made it, Lord what we've made this, where truthfully it's just about It's about what you'll do, have done, and will do, Lord, because help us to remember, help us to repent, help us to do today. And I thank you today in Jesus' name.